On this Aviation special, we sit down with Gladys Marroquin, Nareen Nara, and Jess Rhodes, part of SCN The Nine for 2021. All that and more next on this Aviation special. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is an Aviation special. SC and the Nine, 2021, Part One. This is an Aviation special, taking a look at SCN's The Nine, the annual look at the up-and-coming uh, young people in the AV industry. My name is Tim Albright, your host. This is, is one of my favorite episodes that uh, that that SCN does, and then that we get to, to partner with them. Uh, nine young people. Uh, our buddy Megan Dutta takes a look at nine uh, young up-and-coming professionals in the industry. Uh, we kind of break this up uh, amongst two, uh, two or three different interviews, simply because interviewing nine people seems cumbersome uh, and, and a little bit, uh, a little bit much. So uh, we're going to break this up and, and, and kind of bring them together. Uh, first and foremost, a young lady that I've had on uh, AV Week a number of times. Her name is Clarice uh, Maricoin, and she is from Newcomb and Boyd out of Atlanta. Welcome, ma'am. Hey, how's it going, Tim? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. Also, Jess Rhodes, uh, a, a young lady that I met uh, through a buddy of mine, uh, Luke um, um, Jordan, uh, down in uh, Texas Way. Uh, she's from AVISPL. Welcome, ma'am. Hey, all. Uh, and last but not least, a guy that I've just spent an awful lot of time uh, working, at least in the background, Narain Nara. Um, you know his work uh, from Avixta. He's the digital producer there uh, over at Avixta. Welcome, sir. Hey, Tim Albright. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so let's kind of go around the horde here, and 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 some of this will be you know conversational, but really let's kind of get a sense of, of where each of you are. Um, and, and Gladys, want to start with you. You're a consultant. Uh, your your vertical is is typically education, but you do some, in other words, in, in other areas as well. How did how did you get involved, and how did you land in the industry? Sure. So let's take it back to my college days, which I know is a surprise for most people. They kind of just like fall into it um, later on in life, but what ended up happening um, with my origin story, if you will, I was a freshman at the University of Florida. And at the time, I was, you know, kind of trying to skim off some money, right? I was trying to just pay for help pay for college because I was also on a scholarship. But for the summer classes, they don't pay for it. I'm probably going into too much detail, but I needed a job. And I saw a couple kids um, with these tech crew shirts. And I thought, whoa, that's really cool. Cause I was kind of a techie already, but not so much AV. I mean, I didn't even know what AV was at the time. I thought I was, so I ended up applying, but I thought I was applying for something different, right? Cause I just saw tech crew and I just kind of made some assumptions I probably shouldn't have. But uh, so I applied for the job, I got the job. So I started out as a little humble stagehand, of course, how everybody probably starts. And I just got more interested in um, running shows and kind of helping, um, the artist and all that. Um, so I ended up learning more about how to, you know, use consoles and kind of more of the um, AV elementals, if you will. And um, I ended up being a, like a crew chief, which is kind of like a step up from just crew stuff. And then I got so involved that I ended up um, leading the crew department, if you will, if that kind of makes sense. And from yeah. there, I, I was there for four years, basically, from my freshman year to my senior year, um, just kind of getting as involved as possible. I even, sometimes I worked full-time working um, and also as, as a full-time student too. So it was kind of hard to juggle, but 
you know, like half of it was fun. Obviously, the other half was work, but I really enjoyed what I was doing. I mean, it was fun. It was good socializing with people, too, because this was mostly student run at the time. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure it is now today, too. But um, what ended up happening is one of my um, colleagues who ended up graduating maybe a year or two ahead of me was um, saying, hey, Waveguide is hiring this uh, for this role. They're looking for, you know, kind of like a younger crowd or younger applicants. So I said, hey, yeah, why not? So I applied and Long, the homie, he put in a good word for me, thank God. <laughs> and so I ended up joining the Waveguide team uh, doing commissioning um, and the technical role was field agent, I think, at the time, but it changed a few times. And um, then from there, I ended up going into the design world. Um, thank you to Harry Allison. I do appreciate him because he kind of was like, oh, I kind of want this person to be on my team. So from there, I learned more of the design aspect because as a uh, commissioning agent, you're more at the end of the phase where things are already being installed and you're kind of testing it, just making sure that uh, the integrators are kind of you know, like f finalizing the product so that we're ready for day one. So it's kind of stressful, but also you get to see, you know, how they're configuring everything and you help them along the way, which was nice and, you know, kind of exposed me to that phase of the project. And then in design, it was way more design heavy. So I was on Revit, CAD. Um, I also helped with scheduling too as well. And um, from there, I ended up joining Nuquin Boyd as a full-on AV consultant um, led by Britton Gates, who is wonderful as well. And yeah, I mean, I've been there for about a year and some months, right in the middle of COVID, or right before COVID, I should say. Yeah. I was hired, so it was, you know, pretty good for a while. And then COVID kind of happened, so I, I haven't been in the office for a while, but I have been able to learn a lot. Just in the year and some months, I feel like just learning as much as I could on the more of like the project management and just kind of getting more deep and heavy into design and all of what entails as far as coordination and answering RFIs, talking to manufacturers, XYZ. So that's kind of all of it. We're here today. <laughs> well, let me, I want to touch on something you said real quickly is, is how, what was the experience like in the last year, you know, coming on someplace new and, and learning and, and kind of getting yourself acclimated during COVID, right? I mean, um, all of us have had new jobs and new positions. And typically those, you know, you've got onboarding, you, you, you meet the folks, you know, you find out where the lunchroom is and this, that, and the other, there's that camaraderie, right? There's that in-person camaraderie. What, what was that experience like this past year when we didn't have that? Yeah, it's been a little difficult, not going to lie, but I think our team has done a pretty good job about trying to get that under control, I guess. I mean, well, first off our AV team in, you know, the whole department is really small and we have weekly meetings, scrum meetings they're called. Uh, so we see each other once a week at least. But yeah, I won't lie, What before COVID, going into the office and being able to interact with my coworkers, just like walk to their little cube, that was, you know, way better obviously than now. Now it's kind of, I mean, yeah, it's been difficult and it's almost like, I guess what, drinking from a fire hose almost. You just kind of try your best to um to land running right i mean it's difficult but we've i think we've made i think we've made it work so that's that's the good part at least very cool 
Jess, you work for, for the biggest uh, AV integrator in the world, uh, officially, from SCN's Top 50. Yes. So, you know, talk, talk for a second about your journey as well. You know, how did, sure. how did Jess end up, end up not just in AVISBL, but, you know, in AV in general? Well, so, I, like Gladys, I didn't really know what AV was before coming to this industry. Um, you know, ever since I was 14, I was always working retail and direct care jobs um, and just always busy, busy, running, running. I remember at one point having five jobs at a time, like with my, yeah, multiple nannying, housekeeping, plus a coffee shop. I would go to my coffee shop job and drop one of my family of kids with my grandma <laughs> and pick them up after. It was, but I mean, I guess the, I, I just, I had this um, just this feeling of just like exhaustion after all of these jobs. And I knew that, you know, I was really good at organization and, um, you know, I was really detail oriented and just really um, good at planning. So office job <laughs> was like this pie in the sky thing for me when I got out of college. Um, I was feeling pretty directionless. So I had first like just grabbed the first job I could get. You know, I was working at Panera Catering, um, making eight fifty an hour, and I just like right away jumped into applying to every office job <laughs> that I could get. Um, and I ended up putting in over a hundred applications because I had this. I was a machine. I was submitting um, ten per day every weekday uh, for one week, then waiting for interviews to come in. Then I did another run, and um, you know. I, after three grueling interviews with my first AV company, I was finally offered a um, entry level position there for $12 an hour. And that was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, it seemed huge after 850. Um, and they really had me scared. Even with the third interview, they were, they were tough. <laughs> but I was uh, in sales support at that first job for five years and really loved the company, loved the people. Um, like Gladys said, you know, it was just was awesome for interacting with all kinds of different folks, you know, vendors and consultants and technicians, just different skill sets. And um, it really is such a, like AV is wonderful for like building those project management skills because you just, right away are thrown into so many different personality styles, just the nature of the work. You could be talking to, you know, like someone, one of the VIPs from a very important client one day, and then working with, you know, this guy in a little AV shop the next. And um, I just really loved it. And I got really good at uh, a lot of the processes of my position, but especially the, the bid middle. Like, I love being able to pull together the team and, you know, keep everything on track to win these huge projects. So because of that skill set, I actually was recruited for a, like, kind of admin slash project management role um, in the bakery industry. I was feeling like I needed to make a move at this point because, unfortunately, you know, I was, you know, I was five years in. And I was getting stellar reviews. I was winning awards at work. Um, but, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, my supervisor was being credited for some of my ideas and work meetings. Um, I wasn't being um, 
you know, promoted when I would go for internal positions, I was asked questions like, well, what's wrong with sales support? Meanwhile, I'm seeing people, you know, men who came in at the same time as me being promoted left and right. And it just, I realized I needed to try something else. So I went ahead and took that position um, when it, you know, came to me for the admin and project management role. And I left AV to go to the bakery industry. So I worked at DecoPack, which is the largest supplier of cake supplies <laughs> for a while. And it was wild. It was so fun because uh, I was doing um, a lot of different like customer facing projects, but uh, they also picked up on how good I am with process improvement and lean. So I joined the organizational lean team. And within, you know, just a couple of months of me working there, I was like a part of these huge, like all company wide uh, process improvement things that just, I think what my favorite part about it was like when I came in, uh, different departments were just butting heads and, you know, people were really not getting along with their coworkers, um, which I just like, I hate to see. And so like by just improving a process, you could make working relationships better and make this place that we have to be in over eight hours a day, like not terrible. So that was really awesome to me. Um, and I was there a couple of years. I mean, how can you not love uh, getting to design a like unicorn graduation cake, right? And getting to like coordinate all of these different uh, <laughs> designers and artists to, to put that together along with like customer marketing. But I realized that I needed to uh, come back to AV because I just, um, you know, I wanted to keep growing and I knew I had a lot to offer. And I am so grateful that one of my really close friends from my first AV job um, reached out because AVISBL had an opening and was like, hey, I know that you would just kick butt here. You should come over. And it's, it's been a blast. I like started in the project coordination role because um, I just needed to prove that even though I was managing all of these other projects, that I could manage an AV project. But pretty much from day one, I was managing uh, project managing, not really coordination. So I kind of just, uh, I built my contacts and, you know, made a lot of great relationships and smoothed out a lot of processes. And now here I am uh, with the title and still doing great work, but getting to see my teams grow and grow. I'm working on bigger projects this year, but also AVISBL has changed their model in that you know our enterprise accounts that normally would be housed in one location, and we would maybe complete them with different um, subcontractors and labor pools across the US um, with a single central um, PM for that enterprise. Now I'm getting to collaborate with different project managers all over the country, so I have I believe right now 10 different PM teams and I just, you know, I'm making sure that everyone is keeping up the client standards uh, that they've come to know and love um, to make sure that everything goes smoothly. But I'm getting to work with some PMs who are just like brand new um, and some folks who are really experienced and who have a lot of things to offer me. So I'm just loving life right now. Uh, despite the craziness of COVID yeah. and, of course, the shipping issues that we're seeing like all over now, it's still really fun.
Yeah, and, and we, we can we can talk about the, the shipping issues for a second. Um, I, I don't I don't want to miss this though, and, and it's something you said is you were being passed over and, and and watching your male colleagues that came in. So you left the industry. Talk for a second about that decision and and, and about kind of what eventually brought you back in to to, to AV. Sure. Um, you know it's hard because there's a lot of self blame that happens when you know that you're doing a good job, but you're not seeing upward movements. Um, I don't know how much you are aware, but like uh, there at most companies uh, in our industry, there's just not as much of a clear career path for people who start in admin roles. Um, and the problem that comes in there is that admin roles are more likely to be held by um, you know women and, and therefore we get kind of a mismatch in who gets promoted. Um, because structurally, we just don't have, uh, I mean, back in the day, right, we had admins who were pretty happy to be in that role and just improving it for their whole career. And folks weren't as necessarily as driven to go into other positions. But now things are changing. And a lot of folks who are going into admin have really good, you know, project management or, you know, lots of different skill sets. And we really should be developing that more. It's just really hard seeing that, you know, when someone comes in as a technician, there's just tons of space for them to move into other areas. But when someone comes in doing admin, a lot of times it's like a feeling of not wanting to rock the boat. Hey, I know that she can do my bids or he or they can do my bids. I, why would I want to promote them into uh, project management where I know that the first three projects that they do are gonna be rocky? For me, it was like a, a purchasing role I was going for that I had actually been covering for a few months. Um, but I think um, a lot of the industry uh, is starting to realize that we have a problem. So that's really good. I know that AVISBL is taking things really seriously now, and um, they actually have committed to uh, a diversity uh, change within the organization. And I'm actually the chair of the LGBTQ plus uh, ERG, ERG group um, open. So I think that we're going to start to see some improvements here. But really, it's it's not enough to just know that there's a problem. And I think that there's a lot of hard truths that need to come into play. When I came back to the industry, you know, after being in bakery, I think some things really became clear for me about how unhealthy the industry could be at times. Because back when I was in AV the first time, you know, it was five years and I started out as this like 22 year old and just, you know, bright eyed, bushy tail, all that. So um, unfortunately, I was uh, being asked to go to um, events to uh, basically entertain the male. Uh, consultants so that the sales reps could kind of pick them off one by one, which is all fine. You know, I had a lot of fun at these events, but the consultants, you know, it was, it was weird. You know, there was vacillation between like, oh, you look like my granddaughter and hey, are you seeing anyone? <laughs> so it's, it's a problematic industry. I heard a lot of, um, you know, homophobic insults, um, a lot of, uh, casual racism. And of course, you know, when Trayvon Martin was murdered by, uh, I don't even remember his name, 
But when Trayvon Martin was murdered, it's a conversation started in my workplace um, where I just realized that people were really, really comfortable um, as white males in our industry with assuming that they knew what the life of a young black kid was like. And um, I just, I knew that when I came back to AV, I wanted to start speaking up about these things. Um, because when I had gone to this other company, you know, they weren't perfect either. They had a lot of issues, um, you know, but I, I had enough of a more diverse leadership there that I could see what it was like to see a woman in leadership. Um, I had more role models and I just started to learn a lot more about diversity, equity, and inclusion and started to see how much of a value that would be for the AV industry. Cause we, I mean, we need all of our voices. I, if you look at the organizations who, whose, you know, own diverse makeup doesn't match the people they're serving, they're not doing a good job. If you aren't actually you know, like mixing up your workplace and thinking about all of the different creative ways we have to meet customer needs, you're gonna fall behind. And I think that especially within this industry being so fast paced and new needs for communication coming up constantly, I we just really have to be ready to uh, make the change and make things better. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, Noreen, obviously uh, you are at the center of the industry of being, being at Edivixa. Um Talk for a second about how you got involved and, and what kind of drew you into the industry. Absolutely. Uh, let's see, where do I start? Uh, yeah, I mean, like uh, like Jess and Gladys here, I, I know everyone <laughs> kind of uses this one, but yeah, I, I did kind of fall into uh, the AV industry, but I think there is a little bit of, context or background there um I've, I've always had something for the video production side um i guess going back to high school and to college i was really involved with video the video production teams and groups and all of that um in college in george mason university i was a part of the mason cable network um closed circuit television team if you will um within the campus and um i kind of helped out with their um, website and their marketing and all of that and uh, help them design their logo, which actually they still use today, interestingly enough. Uh, I, I saw a pop-up the other day and I was like, was that? this was back in 2011. So, okay. so <laughs> I guess it's, years. I guess it's the, the test of time. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, um, but that kind of helped me define kind of what interest I had in life because I actually went to college as an engineer and it was actually, I, I did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> and uh, somewhere between, somewhere in the middle of my college career, I decided, you know what, if I really like this whole video production thing, I should really get into it. But I kind of stepped back a little bit and was like, you know what, I'll just take general communication since video production is a part of communication. So um, I kind of jumped into the um, communications and public relations side of things and I ended up, um, you know, once, once I graduated, I looked at a few jobs and um, saw an opening for a association called Infocom International, which is what Avixa was known as at the time. And, um, you know, I was like, 
I, I read the job description and I was like, audiovisual technology, huh? <laughs> I know that, uh, you know, I, I knew about AV technology, but I didn't know about AV AV, if you know what I mean. Like there's actually this big world kind of associated with the AV industry that's not just the cameras or the display or the sound equipment. It's kind of like a culmination of all of those put together along with the people who uh, makes these, thing these things work, whether they design the things or, uh, you know, they make it work, they make it function, they make it special. So I was like, well, this looks kind of interesting. Um, applied for a job. It was, interestingly enough, a public relations and communications coordinator, which is uh, the area of study I decided to go in. So um, I interviewed with uh, Betsy Jaffe, who... Um, Actually, uh, you know, I, she she was such a big part in me becoming what I am today. Um, you know, I interviewed with her. Um, she hired me, and for several years, I worked in the PR and communication side, learning as much as I can. And while doing these, you know, daily like PR, like press releases and uh, social media management things, I got to learn about the industry a little more in depth, a lot more in depth, actually. It's really complex. There's a lot of cool people uh, behind the scenes and all that. And um, I got to know, you know, there's a lot to learn as well. You know, we had a pretty robust learning team that, you know, internally we kind of work with them too and i learned a lot of the technical side which is pretty cool um it really kind of helped build my knowledge in av more but you know as i engaged with a lot of the people within the industry within social media and you know my first experience with the infocom show in 2012 um it really opened my eyes of the scale of our industry and how awesome it was, how vibrant and uh, flashy and um, exciting everything is, and everyone. Um, everyone's genuinely enthusiastic, the community, uh, really proud to be a part of the audiovisual industry. So, you know, I had a ton of conversations with a lot of people, and I worked on different projects that highlighted the people in our industry, and somewhere along the line, the whole, I heard you were good with video Noreen <laughs> side came in. So I got involved in a little more video projects and eventually it kind of evolved my role. Um, you know, I became a communications manager and um, incorporate a little bit of video production more into my day to day. And eventually fast forwards nine years, nine ish years. Um, it'll be 10 years, 10 years as of this October, coming October. Um, I've, you know, it's, it's become kind of this full video type role. And now I'm part of the content delivery team and I help produce videos. I, you know, work with the social media team, which is part of the communications team and, um, develop projects, um, do things to support the show, which is still a big part of Avixa, the Infocom show and, you know, working with some campaigns and all that. So it's a little bit of everything, just trying to highlight the excitement of our industry um, and, you know, going out there and meeting some pretty cool people like everyone in this chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
and Naree and I have have, have uh, spent, I, I mentioned this at the very beginning. He and I have spent a lot of time together, and, and this is this is different for Naree because typically he's on the other side of the camera, right? He's the one kind of you know shooting and um, you know editing and stuff like that. So I, I appreciate you know you 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 jumping on this side. Um, Gladys, I want to start with you in this, and as, as we kind of wrap up here, just have a conversation with all three of you. Um, being where you are now, right? You're 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 not in the start of your your career. None of you are, right? Um, but you know, for for some of those other folks that that may be listening or watching, you know, you're you're getting into that that part of your career where you can really kind of see where some of the challenges are, where some of the opportunities are. You know, Jess mentioned you know there there are still some some serious you know uh, concerns in the industry, uh, whether that be sexism or racism or you know uh, looking at it bringing more diversity uh, into the industry. So Gladys, as you sit here and, and kind of looking into the next, uh, next stage of your career, um, what are areas that, that you see as opportunities for growth uh, or opportunities uh, for evolution for the industry? Sure, I think there's a couple places um, and it, I think in my opinion, it kind of requires um, some almost external coordination, right? So I'm gonna do a quick shout out to Chris Hope uh, from Loop Lab, um, which of course, Tim, you are totally aware of and you know who he is and that organization, but that I'll, I'll use an, as an example. Uh, that's a good, great actually, um, amazing opportunity for AV firms to kind of um, coordinate and co-opt with these types of programs. And I think that's one of the in my opinion, would be the more successful um, route to kind of bring newcomers to the scene. And I mean, it also obviously um, increases diversity, right? So that's, you kind of kill a couple birds <laughs> with one stone. So that's definitely um, where I would look and where I would suggest and advise uh, firms to look, uh, organizations such as that, but also just kind of, um, kind of having this understanding that not everybody because i mean we're all aware that the av industry is kind of on the older side and on the wider side which you know i mean most corporate america is like that so you know that's fine and all but we need to change it but i think if you come in with the understanding that you know these marginalized communities won't necessarily come with specific a specific background in av or like they won't check off every box that you're looking for in an employee or for a to fill a specific role if you kind of trust that they're just as good as another applicant who yeah may not also also may not check the boxes but you know if they're white let's say and a man like they're more likely statistically to get hired i think if if we come in with an understanding that that's not you know like not everybody's gonna be an expert and trust these people then yeah give them a chance kind of mentor them if you can if you have the resources and then also on the employee side, if you are, or such as like myself or like Jess and Nareen, like if you see, you know, someone that needs to be mentored or needs to be guided, just, you know, kind of lend a hand if you're able to just try, try to fill that gap because, you know, like when I was starting off, I definitely felt insecure. I mean, I still, <laughs> up to this day, I still do because I'm just, you know, I, I work with people with so much more experience than myself and much older, but they're able to help me out if I have any questions. And a lot of people along the way um, who do possess specific experiences, I have gone up and 
ask them like, okay, why did we do this? Why did we do this? Like, explain to me, please, if you can. And, you know, if you're lucky, they'll, they'll help you and they'll explain to you and, you know, in a, in a way that's not a condescending way or that won't kind of be like, oh, just scram type of thing. So I think it takes, it kind of, it's almost like that cliche saying it takes a village, right, to raise a child. So you kind of have different arms that you can kind of, you reach out to these different uh, methods of, of being able to help in any way you can. I, w I want to point out something out here. You, you said, explain to me if you can. If you are in this industry and you are in a position where someone is asking you to explain something to you, if, if explain something to them, and you don't, get out of the industry, right? I, I, I'm sorry. You, you, you just, uh, there is so much tribal knowledge. There is so much tribal knowledge in this industry. And, and, and yes, there's a lot of great books and yes, there's a lot of great resources. But if you can't take the time to educate and, and pass on what you know, because here's the thing, kids, you're going to die someday. All right. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that what we all are going to die and you're not going to be able to do a damn thing with that knowledge that you have that you take with you to the grave. So pass it on. Sorry. <laughs> Jess, uh, what, what are some areas that, that you can, you know, um, you know, areas that we can, I'm, I'm really kind of gone off the rails here, um, where we can, you know, ev uh, evolve the industry or, or kind of make it better as you're kind of getting into that next stage of the industry. Well, I just want to echo what Gladys was saying about giving people a chance. Uh, seriously, I think that, you know, we all had those kids books that had, and this is what an office worker looks like, you know, and there is still this idea that, I mean, even like if I look at the situation one time with um, an on-site worker, uh, like they were um, chastised for not using proper enough language in their emails to people on, like to the clients. And ultimately they were let go. And it's just, I think about those, those things and how, I guess, snobbish that is almost, that we have to have very scripted, proper language. And it's all based on very, you know, white uh, colonialist language. And I just, I think about how uh, people interact. When you are looking at any workplace, like any bustling, um, you know, even a Starbucks, and hearing people interact with one another, they are making themselves understood and they are connecting with each other, sometimes in deeper ways than you are going to get when you have this very strict, I have to be proper um, email. So even in this small area, right, um, we are throwing aside talent um, that we could be uh, utilizing because we think it needs to fit inside this box. And, you know, I, I just 100% want to echo that people who get into AV usually fall into it. There's no reason why people can't come to AV from all kinds of backgrounds. And I just, I really want us all to embrace that we need to hire talent that doesn't look anything like the way that we grew up. Um, and we just need to uh, embrace difference and understand that, like, especially, you know, what I found in project management is that you can have a team of people who, uh, like, seem nothing alike, like, and they all have different work styles. And it's like the ultimate, um, you know, indicator of whether a project is going to go well 
is if they can all collaborate and come up with ways to understand each other. So I think that's huge for me. There's a lot of networking in everything I do. Um, and one thing that I would honestly say to those job seekers and people who are trying to move up within your industry is to please like, don't be discouraged by the one gatekeeper or naysayer who is um, insulting your work, being condescending. This is someone who is gradually going to be pushed out because they are going extinct in, in the new normal. So I know it's so heartbreaking to be in a situation where your work isn't being valued for what it is, but there are others who see it. So find the ones who see it and you know go around those roadblocks and sooner or later you'll realize they are speed bumps you know um so just keep trying and um find find the people who are supporting you because um in this industry there are a lot of people who are trying to make things better all right noreen you'll have the last word on this how, how do we evolve the industry how do we uh how do we make it better yeah, so I'm I'm glad Gladys brought up the Loop Lab. Uh, Chris Hope is doing amazing things over there, as well as groups such as um, Invent You with Latoya Lewis. Um, really, really awesome way pathways for uh, youth to get into our industry. But I I agree with with what both uh, Gladys and Jess mentioned is that we need to provide opportunities for fresh perspectives and skill sets uh, and creativity creativity is something i think that is gonna help define where we go in the future um because there's different faces now and different um skill sets and backgrounds that can be brought into av and give it providing the opportunity is the only way we're going to move forward um you know we're seeing from from a creative or content creation side we're seeing so many kids going out there doing some really creative and cool things with like you know TikTok and YouTube and all of that. Not much of a TikToker myself, but you know I'm kind of on the sidelines seeing uh, what they're doing out there. And you know it's it's cool. What they're doing is what a few years ago is considered technical from a video pr production perspective. And I think the tools are there for them, and the create the skill set and creativity and background is there. I think over time. Um, it's something for them to build on and providing this pathway into the AV industry and opening the eyes to these executives and to these, uh, you know, hiring managers for these AV companies to broaden their horizons to see this, this is great potential right here. This is a direction that we can go with uh, this type of position and providing the resources like Chris Hope and Latoya Lewis does to train these uh, kids and essentially the future of our industry to do more technical things like, you know, event planning and, um, you know, media production and the more technical side of AV, like integration and um, stuff like that. Um, I think I think the background is there and I think the skills are there. So I think I think it's just providing that opportunity for uh, and pathway for the youth is all of that's really important, but, um, it also, um, you know, we need to provide that opportunity. We need to sh show, um, that 
this is where you can go with your career. This is a cool opportunity and um, you can really do some great things and create some magic with AB, so. Can I hop on to two things that Noreen said? Okay, so first of all, Gen Z and Gen Alpha are amazing. They are the most globally connected generations. Um, you know, because of technological advances and because of that, they are the most diverse in their social networks of any generations we've ever seen. And it's so exciting. I honestly think that they are going to do such awesome things. And so, yeah, like, I'm not a TikToker myself, but like, I'm really paying close attention to everything they're doing. And I think that they are going to, you know, help us bring in amazing new ways to communicate that, you know, we're not even, it's not even on our radar right now. Um, but also I wanted to jump on like what you said about creativity, because I've been learning a lot about um, psychological safety and the way that psychological safety drives innovation and creates an environment where creative problem solving can occur. So feeling psychologically safe is so important to like all of us in our work because we do not do our best work unless we get that. Like according to, you know, Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, um, you know, you're never going to get to that like transcendence and that state of like full self until you really feel completely secure in all of these other levels. And so when you are a company, you know, for example, who is not championing um, causes for your marginalized employees, who is completely dead silent when there is a structural uh, issue, when there's a police murder, when there is a shooting targeting Asian businesses. If you are silent in all of those times, don't think that you are going to get your employee's best effort because if you are silent, then that silence is being filled with all of the random garbage that they might've heard. Um, whether it's from a coworker who's posting something really ill-advised on social media, or you know whether it's even from outside of the workplace. Um, it's just really important, I think, that um, all of us start being more vocal in our support and you know, in uh, just systemic change in order to create the psychological safety for all of our employees, because it's not enough to get people into the industry if we aren't creating an environment where they can really shine. That's all I wanted to say. We have to keep them once we get them. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much. Kalidas Marroquin, uh, thank you so much. How do people connect with you uh, or Newcomb and Boyd if they are so inclined? Sure, yeah, we have a website. Uh, oof, I haven't memorized it, but I assume it's nukeandboy.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just to search Glass Marquin, and I'll be right there. Right, Big hair. Thanks. Uh, Jess Rhodes, thank you, ma'am. How do people connect with you? Um, not that they don't know AVISPL, but or AVISPL. Well, yeah, uh, go ahead and find me on LinkedIn. Um, I go by Jess, and um, yeah, I've got the rainbow hair. <laughs> if we're going to find each other by hair. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, Noreen, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or Avixa? Yeah, so uh, you can find out or learn more about Avixa at uh, avixa.org um, or follow it at Avixa on Twitter. Uh, for me, I am on Twitter as well, um, at, at Nurinternet. So it's my first name mixed with internet because I thought it was funny, but it's just whatever. It, it is kind of funny. 
Yeah, eh, it's not really. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll just go with it. It is. Oh, they'll uh, come back. They'll come back. Yeah, 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 for sure. So uh, it is at n a r i n t e r n e t. Um, that is not internet. In, in twenty years, your your kids will think it's cool. So, I hope so. Yeah. Um, congratulations again to all all three of you. Uh, for making the SCN the nine for 2021. Uh, really, really cool uh, accomplishment uh, and accolade for all three of you. So thank you all so much. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. Find this program and a host of others, including two more and I interview segments just like this that where we uh, uh, talk with the rest of the crew for the SCN the nine. Not to be silly, but there are nine of them. So, you know, at least two more of these. Uh, so all that and more at aviation.tv, aviation.tv. Thank you.